Stress is coming at us all the time, all in every single way, shape, and form. And unless you address it, you just, it's really, really hard to heal forever. Facts do not have opinions. Just don't let perfection be the enemy of the good. Self-love is really about self-respect and acceptance. Welcome to The Whole View. I am excited to talk about today's topic, stress and the impact of it on our digestive health and overall well-being, really. I am going to welcome our guest, Sarah K. Hoffman from A Gutsy Girl. Welcome. Thank you so much. Super excited to be here and to be able to chat with you and your awesome community. So thanks for having me. Yes, absolutely. I I think it is interesting that I found you long after I was trying to work on my gut health, but more through an anti-diet lens. So I'm excited to introduce people to you because I think that you fill what I talk about as being like this really hard gap between both wanting people to leave diet culture behind and working on health to optimize feeling our best inside and out. And sometimes those things can be incongruent, especially when we have so much focus on aesthetics and appearance and those kinds of things versus really what are the elements that impact our health and being aware of them. So um, maybe I should just introduce you. How about that? So Sarah is from agutsygirl.com and you can find her and her team on instagram.com slash agutsygirl. And I will put links in the show notes, of course. Sarah also has her own podcast. So for you, that might be your favorite medium to go check her out at A Gutsy Girl Podcast. And we're going to talk about some resources and things that you can find on agutsygirl.com throughout the show. But I, I do think that before we get started, it's important to remind you we are not medical professionals and we are here for general education purposes. And we're going to talk about some things that we both, I'm assuming, Sarah, uh, but I know for myself, strongly suggest seeking appropriate treatment with medical professionals if you do think that you have medical issues that need to be treated. And I think one of the reasons that I say that and it's so important is because that wasn't something that I really did. I did a lot of self-diagnosing and a lot of like N equals one experiments. And it wasn't until I really went to see a medical professional around my 40th birthday, really dove into my test results, talked to a functional medicine doctor and did testing at home about the things that I wanted to focus on in my own health that I really was able to get results. And and we'll talk about some of that stuff later. But I just, I think it's ironic, like I said, that I found you on this latter part of the journey versus earlier when I was working on my gut. And I 
was so focused on diet and dietary changes under the guise of health. And of course, I expected weight loss to be the result of that health. But I was pretending, despite countless before and after photos, that that wasn't the case. And what I wasn't talking about in all those interviews were nutrient insufficiency, hair loss, digestive distress. I was skipping meals in order to lose weight, which is defined as disordered eating. It wasn't just occasional intermittent fasting for me. Like I was mm-hmm. really avoiding food. And because I didn't have a gallbladder, that was causing so much stress more on my body and the digestive process. So it was interesting. I was actually with my mom this weekend and we were talking about how her doctor recently told her to stop intermittent fasting because she was seeing the same results in her blood work and physical, the, you know, increased cortisol and numerous different kinds of inflammation and stress markers had increased from the approach that she was taking. So I think it's important for us to consider that stress can come from a multitude of ways. I always joke it can come from traffic and taxes. If you're busy, if you simply have children, toddlers and teens are super stressful. And it can also come from what we're inflicting on ourselves like dieting. So I think it it really just depends. And I know I myself them on the cusp of more fully understanding this topic. And so I'm excited that, Sarah, you're here from A Gutsy Girl to help us kind of dive in, in the hopes that we can all make better choices that truly serve us best going forward as a result of of our chat. Would you mind sharing a little bit about yourself with our audience? Yes, I have to just take a little breather here. You were saying so many things that... <laughs> That's my problem, yep. <laughs> I'm like, okay, am I going to start here, 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 here? I, f- I feel a little bit in chaos currently, but what I want to say definitely is that everything you touched on is so important and so critical that I think people hear and people really start to pay attention to. And the best thing that you said, and I've never thought about it this way, although I guess I have because I once wrote a post called is gut or gut healing is not a diet dot, 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 or maybe it is. And is this idea that, you, you know, do we leave the diet behind or wait, do we have to diet in order to heal? And I think, and I, I love that you said that you found me kind of from this whole almost anti-diet culture, because in so many ways I do fit because of the fact that I went over a decade trying to heal with pretty much just food only and realizing this is not working. And there was no way that I could diet harder without ending up in the hospital because I was so deficient of all the things, right? But having said that, there is still an element for when you are trying to heal your gut, depending on what is wrong with you based on testing, not Dr. Google, like we like you had also mentioned. And there is a time and a place for a certain and any specific diet. So I love that you said that, and I would love to help you unpack that a little bit later. To start, though... I'm not going to go into my story too much. As you had mentioned to your audience, I do have a podcast and my full story is episode one and it is so long and lengthy. Like I have 
literally been through it all within the past decade plus. At this point, I just say decade for the sake of a fun number, um, but it's been a lot longer than a decade. I probably the beginning of my journey really started when I was in college. It was my freshman year of college. And I think everything truly was triggered, which is very relevant for this conversation by stress. I had just gotten out of a very heartbreaking relationship, very serious relationship. And I had hit pretty much rock bottom. And at the exact same time, I left home to go to college. I lived in a dorm by myself. And I came down with this illness to this day. We don't know what it was. It was just, I'm sure it was just some sort of viral illness, otherwise very normal and common. But for me, it took me down and out for over two weeks and I never really recovered after that. And that's very, very, very common for people that they go through something that is traumatic or very stressful and whatever it is that's already within them is triggered. And so that's sort of where my entire story starts. And what I will say really just so that we don't have to focus on my whole story is that throughout the rest of this this journey, I would be diagnosed at one point or another with SIBO, which stands for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. I would be diagnosed with a low functioning thyroid with quote unquote adrenal fatigue, because that is not the medical term. I also was, I, and still technically to this day, unexplained infertility, which all of these really did go back to my gut, but it was from years of chronic under eating, overdoing all the things. And then of course, all of the, the bacterial overgrowth, things that were robbing my body of the necessary nutrients. And so I would just go on this very long journey of trying to understand myself, my body, what worked, what didn't. For a really long time, I was just in it. I was in the thick of it all. My face at one time was covered with perial dermatitis. That was pretty much when I hit rock bottom about the time I was diagnosed with SIBO, but covered with perial dermatitis. So I was just in it. I was in it trying to survive it and trying to come out on the other end. And as I started to come out on the other end, I really switched what was a very dear diary form of my website. Like this is, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm trying. At the time I lived in California across the country from my friends and my family. And I wanted them to be able to see what I was doing, how I was living, if I was thriving or just merely surviving, whatever it was. But as I started to heal and learn and dig into the research and do all the things and create all the things, it became more of a journalistic and a research-based website, which is what it is today. And as of 2018, I have had a 100% clear colonoscopy and endoscopy. Oh, by the way, I was also diagnosed with colitis in 2008. I always forget about that because it, for me, it was the the lesser of all evils, I guess. Um, it sounds really weird to say for people that have colitis, but for me, the SIBO is really what did me in. So there, there's like the super, super skinny version of it all. Today, I just really live my life and I, I live it by my mantra, which is heal your gut, heal your life, because I believe that 
a thousand percent and then some. And um, I just really strive to teach people how to do the things that I did and to come out on the other end. I I love that. And I, I think a lot of our listeners will understand where you're coming from in terms of a, a certain diagnosis being like the least of your problems when you're in the thick of some other really impactful things that affect your ability to live life. And I think that's one of the big messages that I like to talk about too, is we say often that modern medicine and lifestyle changes when it comes to, you know, maybe non-medical, I'm using quotation marks when I say that, right? But like different kinds of things that you can do in your life to improve your health go hand in hand in order for you to live your, your best life. And I think when we're afraid of some aspects or the other, and we aren't getting to live our full best life because of it, um, it's, it saddens me and is something that I've been trying to focus on a lot in terms of sharing. So I, I love that you touched on that. And I know we're going to kind of come around to that. Our, Listeners love science, so I do want to share that a lot of what we're going to talk about is rooted in science. And before we fully jump in, I'm going to open I'm going to open another can of worms for you, some chaos. But I do want to lay the groundwork for some of this, the thoughts and the research that I've been doing related to a lot of this topic. So one of the recurring themes that I keep coming back to is the harm that I did to my health, physical and emotional with that early dieting approach. And Sarah, for your knowledge, like I was in fat camp in middle school. It has been a lifelong roller coaster for my hormones, my gut, all that kind of stuff. And about 10 years ago, I started changing the foods that I was eating and I thought that was the key to health. Yet in the process, I added that huge burden of physical and emotional stress on my body from low carb, intermittent fasting, causing an immune flare, hair falling out, high cortisol levels for decades. And I just kind of ignored that the high cortisol levels were a problem because I was like, oh, you know, I'm a stressful person. <laughs> I, I, I take these things in stride and really just kept focusing on tweaking food and knowing that my cortisol was high, not really working on that. And knowing what I know now, and when we look at the science, it rings so very loudly that unmitigated stress and anxiety have a far greater impact on our health than any other factor. Like, and I, I want to say that again, because I think that had I really heard and understood that early on, maybe I would have put some of the energy that I was putting into, you know, doing all the things that I was doing, making my own almond flour and things. I, I know you've been in this a long time too, right? Like <laughs> over a decade ago, we were doing a lot of stuff in order to get what you could go to the store today and buy, which is great. But there was so much stress involved in that, you know, meals that I just didn't eat when I was out because I couldn't find something that fit all the parameters of the limitations that I had. And if I'd put some of that energy into really working on healing my stress, maybe it would have helped. And I talked on the show before about quitting caffeine was one of the best things I ever did for my health. And yet when I, you know, quit coffee early on, 
in my food limitations, I just replaced it with like green tea and other things. I was still doing caffeine. So I never addressed the cortisol issues that I had. So I think one of the things that I did is I, I did go to PubMed and NIH's website to pull, you know, information for our listeners to know that stress is linked to everything from physical symptoms such as headaches, digestive distress, high blood pressure, chest pain, problems with sleep and sex, both of which we know have huge impact on our bodies. But it can also lead to emotional problems like depression, panic attacks, other forms of anxiety and worry. And we know that those kinds of symptoms can be linked to death. So I am going to put some links in the show notes for you. There was a published review, which includes 124 sources, and it summarizes the huge impact that stress has, calling it life-threatening. And I think we need to understand as we dive into this that we're just not talking about stress from like a fleeting perspective. You know, if you, for me personally, I had a job that I argued for a living and I did too much. Like I, you know, I, I was basically a corporate lawyer. And so, you know, I had kid, I had young kids and then at night I would blog and I would podcast and I would do all these things. And I was like, well, this is the life that I want. It's 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 stress, but it's good stress. And I was ignoring some of the factors that were telling me that my body was struggling. And I was trying to modulate that in other sort of ways rather than dealing with really the root, the source of my problems. So rather than kind of tangentially cover this, I was excited to dive in with you, Sarah, because I think that when I talk to people who are talking about the problems that they're having and they're trying to dial in their diet, for example, and I, and they're like, well, I think now I can't have this food, but I've been able to have this food before. And I don't know, I'm going to take it out and see what happens. And if I say to them, like, well, are you experiencing more stress in your life right now? Do you, are you sleeping less? Did you get a cold or an infection that ramped up your immune system? Almost always those things are true, right? And so I'm like, instead of tweaking and taking away this one thing, let's focus on building back your body to recover from this extra stress. So I know you said you wanted to dive into a lot of this stuff. So I'm going to, I'm going to hand over the chaos ball to you and let you run with it. Cause I know that you have a lot of experience and research on this topic. So I'm, I'm curious what you've seen and, and how you feel about this being a, a huge impact for people. Oh, well, yes, of course, stress is, it, it's one of those things. So, uh, for a little bit of context, the way that I go about teaching these days and, and helping people understand and unpack is with my three pillars to ultimate gut healing. And they would be number one, diagnosis, number two, diet, and number three, lifestyle. And while I do put them in that order for a very specific reason, the one thing that I that I am constantly emphasizing is that the reality and what people don't want or really want to hear is that the diagnosis and the diet, though they can be hard and they it can take a while, they're the quote unquote easy parts. It is by the time you get to that third pillar, the lifestyle, that is extremely, extremely 
hard to overcome. And not only that, but you don't ever technically overcome it. You will work on the lifestyle pillar for the rest of your life. And what people really don't like to hear is that if you think that the lifestyle pillar is just the woo woo, yeah, right. It's about the diagnosis and the diet and not the lifestyle you won't, and you can't heal for good forever. And I am living proof of it. And I fought it forever. I kept fighting it and fighting it and fighting it because I would tell myself, you know, think I would tell myself things like, okay, I'm going to go run 10 miles because I'm super stressed and that's, what's going to help me. And my diet is dialed in because I know now that I have SIBO. Well, the problem with that is that I would get done with that 10 mile run and I would come home and I was more bloated and miserable than ever. I had my diagnosis. I was following the diet to a T because I'm very type A. A lot of people that are in that find themselves where we're at are very type A. You know how to follow the rules. The problem was that I just kept doing something that was setting me back because I failed to remember that working out high intensity workouts are a form of stress on the body. And I think that's something that's really key when we talk about stress in general with any health condition. For me, obviously I focus on gut health, but stress is coming at us all the time, all in every single way, shape and form. And unless you address it, you just, it's really, really hard to heal forever. I could give you so many different examples, like the workout one. It's, it's one, that's one of them that people always don't believe me and they just really fight it. I had to give up all workouts when I healed for the final time, everything except for walking and barely even that the days I felt too tired or just my stomach was even a little bit off. I would do nothing. And I swear by that for part of my healing forever. You know, when we talk about stress, there's, there's obviously the sympathetic nervous system, and then there's the parasympathetic nervous system. And our sympathetic nervous system is the fight or flight mode. And the parasympathetic is rest and digest. So for most of the time, we want to be in the parasympathetic state. However, most of us, and most of the time we are in the sympathetic nervous state. And one thing about that, that is really critical to know is that when we are in this state, it slows the digestion and the flow of our food. So what our body is telling us when we're in this state all the time is no, you're not going to digest your food appropriately right now because we've got more important things to worry about. The bear is trying to catch us. We need to focus on that. So you could be working out hard. You could be, you know, sitting at a stoplight and really frustrated in traffic. I don't know what, whatever it is, but your body is telling you it's not really the time to digest food. And so when you go and you you know, you're eating on the run, which is a horrible idea, by the way, but it's, it's one of those little things that you can do to try to change how you're digesting food. When you're eating on the run, your body's just not prioritizing it. You might physically feel hungry. You might eat the food, but your body's not prioritizing optimal digestion. There's a post on my website called something like, is how we eat as important as what we eat? Because I studied it and I researched it time and time again. And I, I kept finding that no, no, it, it wasn't. I mean, yes, it is important what we eat, but in the end, it's more important how 
how we're digesting our food, the state that we're in when we are consuming food, how we feel at any given moment when we are about to eat. Are we afraid of the food we're about to eat? I mean, there's so many things that go into it that have nothing to do with the actual food. And then the last thing that I really want to just kind of emphasize, because there's so many, I have, as you know, buckets of stress. There's physical, environmental, biological, sociological, and the psychological. There's so many different forms of stress. You could spend you know, days upon days, just going through each one of them and what the buckets are. But there's another form of stress that I think we have completely overlooked. And unfortunately, it has caught up to us because of the hustle culture, because of people telling us that I'm, nope, you're good. I'm going to sleep when I'm dead that sort of thing. But this form of stress is the lack of sleep in our lives. So sleep deprivation is very real. Uh, Along my journey, shortly before I hit my rock bottom and getting diagnosed with the SIBO, had the periodontitis, all the things, I was sleeping maybe a couple hours a night. I was surviving on caffeine because we had all three of our children are adopted from the foster care system. And our first baby that came to us, she was born at 26 weeks, 2.5 pounds. And so even when we got her at two months old, she was still a preemie. She was five pounds. She needed to be fed all the time. I, I was just a nervous wreck. Talk about stress, but I was a nervous wreck every day that she was going to get taken from me. She, I, I lived my every waking moment for her because of it. I didn't sleep this and the other anyways, Point being, I was so sleep deprived, nothing in my life, like I was hallucinating, nothing looked right. I was just depressed again, but the SIBO just came on with a massive revengeance in my life and, and all these things. So I healed that and I got my sleeping back to normal. And then what I did was I did this little, did this little study and I actually did, I think it was like 30 day study on sleep and I recorded it and I um, documented it on my website, basically sleep and it's called sleep and gut healing. I have the research there all about sleep and gut healing, but I also wanted to do you know, kind of a real life scenario with it. And what I found was that I think it was a difference of seven. to eight hours of sleep made all the difference in how I would feel the following day in my gut with my symptoms and, and all the things that had to do with my healing journey. And I personally know that I need a lot of sleep. My husband, he could get six hours of sleep and be great. I mean, I don't know if he really is great, but he says he is. I know a lot of people can do a lot a lot less, but most people need anywhere from seven to nine hours of sleep. I found out through my sleep study that I needed eight hours, 15 minutes less than that. And I felt miserable the next day. I had very classic SIBO symptoms. And so they would, they would be very prominent the following day. And it's one of those things that if you want to be able to control your stress and the, and the manifestations of what stress can you know, produce in your life and show the in the following days, you have got to absolutely prioritize sleep. This podcast is sponsored by Vessel Health. Yes, the exact same P-strips that I use to test and measure my own health markers, including my cortisol. 
Here's the thing. You need to know what is going on inside your body. What is the point in all the tweaking, taking supplements, trying different foods, changing your sleep habits, if you don't know if they are actually changing your health markers? I mean, when I gave up coffee, I wanted to not just feel better, but see that I was having a positive effect inside my body. The only way to know if the measures that you are taking are helping or not is to test. What I love about Vessel and why I personally chose to use them and reached out to see if they wanted to partner was because it empowered me to do the testing at my own convenience and more frequently because of the affordability. Vessel is super simple. You download the app, you pee on a test strip, and you wait a few minutes. Then snap a picture and let the app read the results. Yes, I said pee, you know how I feel about bodily functions, but it really is that simple. The results reveal wellness markers like cortisol, magnesium, hydration, vitamin C, B vitamins, and more. And if you're looking for more support in the app, you can chat with your own nutritional coach that can help answer your questions and give you specific action items that you can take around your nutrition, supplementation, and lifestyle based on the results. And I love that it is not focused on weight loss, rather true metrics of nutrient sufficiency and health. If you want more energy during the day, better sleep, and a more consistent mood, who doesn't? I cannot recommend Vessel enough. It truly was a game changer for me. And the best part is it's just $40 a month. You can decide the frequency of how often you'd like to test, that is how many streps you'll need per month, But for Whole View listeners, we have an exclusive offer for 20% off your first month with code WholeView. You can check it out at VesselHealth.com. Again, that's V-E-S-S-E-L Health.com, code WholeView. This podcast is sponsored by Indeed. Right now, hiring is challenging, and it's a time for a hiring partner that can help you rise to the challenge. And maybe you've been inspired by listening to the show to give your career a second thought. Indeed is the place to go. I personally got my big career break back in the olden days through Indeed, and they have grown so much since then. The right candidate is doing everything they can to find you, and if you use Indeed, you can be sure you're doing everything you can to find them too. And now, Indeed has virtual interview options to save you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent seamlessly all in one place. After using Indeed's virtual interviews, most employers said it saved them days of hiring time, according to Indeed Data US. Finding great talent doesn't have to be a second job. You can hire faster and better with Indeed. They are the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Indeed is the number one source of hires in the U.S., according to Talent Nest. And 73% of U.S. online job seekers search for jobs on Indeed each month, according to Comscore. So sign up for Indeed now and get a $75 credit towards your first sponsored job. Plus, you can earn up to $500 in extra sponsored job credits with Indeed's virtual interviews. Visit Indeed.com slash WholeView to learn more. Claim your credits at Indeed.com slash WholeView. Indeed.com slash WholeView. Of course, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
I could not agree anymore. And I think that it's, I love this idea of a sleep study. I, I think a lot of people rely on devices, right? There's so many devices these days that can tell you like how much you've slept or how good your sleep is. And I think going back to this idea of just listening to yourself, like writing down when you solidly fell asleep and woke up and then what that total amount was and how you felt. And I I think there's some sort of like shame. I I rolled my eyes when you said I'll sleep with when I'm dead because it's one of my least favorite phrases that anyone ever speaks ever. And I think there's some sort of shame about like going to bed early or taking a nap. Like you're a failure because you need sleep or you should be doing something else. Should is like one of those four letter words for me, right? Like (laughs) you should be doing something else. And yeah, you know, like I took my kids, by the way, I love that you're a foster adoptive mom. I don't know if you know this, but I am also, our family is foster family and we're currently adopting the kiddo that's been with us for a year and a half. So we'll have to talk about that more on the Patreon. <laughs> but Small world. Yeah. And I, that stress is so real. Like when you were talking about it, I was like, mm-hmm, yep, been there. <laughs> but I think, you know, I took two of my kids to Chicago this weekend and we had a late flight back and my husband was home to take the kids to school Monday morning and he was like you sleep in I'll take the kids and I wasn't able to sleep in because I get up with the sun but then I took like a three-hour nap in the afternoon (laughs) and I could have been doing so many other things and I'm like this is what my body is telling me that it needs to do in order to go forward and feel good today and be productive today and I think Maybe we just need to kind of flip the switch of the mindset of, you know, oh, I have so many things to do. I need a nap, right? Not like I don't have time for a nap, but for me, that's like I need to be in a place where, you know, my brain fog is minimized, where I feel really alert and focused. And I don't feel that if I don't have sufficient sleep myself. So it's not even just about you know, SIBO and digestive. I think you also said you had some thyroid diagnoses. Uh, A lot of our listeners do. And I, when I speak of brain fog, you know, that's, that's one of the first warning signs for me that my body is saying like, oh, things aren't right right now. (laughs) Like You can't find that word. You need to calm down. You need to take a nap. You need to nourish your body. And that is both like physical and emotional, as you said. I think I would love to kind of recap or go and maybe you can like go into a little bit of detail on those five buckets of stress, because I know you shared publicly that one of the ways that you helped treat your SIBO was with anti-anxiety medications, among many other things that you did. And I think that that's really important to understand because sometimes we can't you know, supplement our way out of a deficiency that our body has, right? It's not always a nutrient deficiency, whether it's sleep, whether it's medical medication, whether it's a need to change our lives in some sort of way. In my case, leaving that job, I didn't even realize how negative it was affecting me and creating additional stress. So I think like looking at some of these buckets, the way that you've explained them and you list what all of them are, I think is super helpful because we might not even realize that some of these things are stress and could cause digestive problems. 
Okay, so there's two main things that you had just mentioned. I I will kind of go through some of the things that fall into each of these buckets, these forms of stress. But the one thing I want to touch on real, real quickly, because they're kind of separate, is how you mentioned that I one of my longer term things was the anxiety medication. This is something that I never talked about very much. And it wasn't until I just put it in my new book. I think it's on page or not page. It's on, it's on day 10. I take people through like a 21 day inspiration journey, just like of stories from my journey and things that I did, things that I realized along the way and really just handholding people kind of go through their own 21 day journey. I think it's on day 10 when I talk about the anxiety medication and the day before I went, I finally went to the doctor to seek some help. And the important thing that I want to say, and that I'm starting to talk about more is that in this world, this natural healing world, you will find it every pinging from you every which way. And they say, do this instead of get on the medication. Don't take the antibiotics. Don't take the medications. You have to watch out. And it's just this whole fear thing. And I, I would say 80% of my thinking, my ideas, what I teach, what I preach is very natural and holistic. And so I was so afraid of what people would think about me if I started talking about it, or even if I experimented with it myself. And so I avoided it. And I kept telling myself, I can do this by myself. I don't need it. There must be some sort of food that could take away all of this. And I believe that for years. And what I say in the book and what I say now is that the only person it truly hurt was me. And so to this day, you know, I, I take a very Western meets alternative approach. And I believe wholeheartedly that that is the best way to go about it. If you have anything that is a little bit more complex or a little bit more severe, so getting on the anxiety medication for me was absolutely a thousand percent critical and changed the trajectory of my healing, made me just feel like a more confident person even in my healing because I, I no longer was just listening to the noise of what people might think or how they might react. I was even worried about what my family and friends would think, you know, but I, I did this, I got on this medication and it truly changed. I, however, I will say that in addition to that, and at the same time, I also found a therapist. I talk about it all the time, but I was fired by my fir first therapist years ago. And it, <laughs> yeah, she fired me. And I think it's hilarious to this day. I talk about it a lot, but I think it's something that's really important to know is that it takes a long time to find your person, your right person for you. But it is very, very critical. I, If I had all of the money in the world, I would make sure that everyone had a therapist and someone to really talk. I mean, it's just a, just a completely unbiased person that can listen to you, that can hear you, and that you really have some sort of outlet that isn't going to give you the feedback that you may or may not be looking for. And so... I told myself I will get on this medication, but simultaneously, I'm also going to start therapy. Thankfully, she was my person and it all really worked. It worked together, but I'm, I am a huge proponent these days of making sure that people know that there is no shame in it. And if there is shame in it, then those people are 
just really not your people and no one really gets gets to judge at all the your circumstances and you know your journey because it's your journey yeah so I really want to just start there yeah no I'm glad you did because I think that the idea that anyone could understand the lived experience of someone else is preposterous but something that is generally accepted in our culture like our our culture is just all about judging and oh well she needed medication I didn't well you have no idea like what is happening in the chemistry of someone's body or what traumas are in their past and all that kind of stuff so I love that you dove into that and I think the reason I bucketed them together is because one of the stresses that you list is psychological and I I really wish that it had been something I considered more fully, right? I think I, I think we think a lot about physical stress or environmental stress, but there's there's so much more happening. And yeah, anyway, I'll I'll let you dive into those because I, I loved the way that there was kind of a visual representation of all these buckets working in your body to cause stress and and kind of empowering to know that you have control over some of these things. Yeah. So to that end, the anxiety would fit under the psychological. Other things that fit into that bucket would just be anger, fear, frustration, negative thoughts, depression, just anything that's very psychological. And I think when we think about this bucket, you know, we, we do have to think of the surface things like the depression, the grief, the sadness, all of that. But we also have to think about when we think about fear, the psychological aspect of it, fear when you're eating a food. You know, there's so much food fear that goes into healing or not healing. And so things like that, that is a major form of stress. I think that when also when we think about forms of stress, this is one of the easier ones to wrap our hands around because we feel it. And just, I mean, you just think about something that makes you really angry and you feel that stress immediately. And same with anxiety, same with any of it. Grief, grief is a huge, huge, huge one that people absolutely, when you have it in your life, you have got to figure out your ways for dealing with it because it, my father actually passed. It's, it's partly why I continued on with my mission so, so strong. It was a coincidence that was not lost on my life, but I healed for the final time in 2018 and my father passed away from colon cancer in 2019. And there's this massive grief, obviously, that filled that last, you know, eight months of his life and just being there every second, like all of the things, and especially because it was colon cancer and go going through all of those motions. And I, I kept telling myself, oh my gosh, I cannot relapse now. But I knew that if I did not do all the things that I had been working so hard for in the lifestyle, mainly with stress, this, this whole idea of stress, I would relapse. And I know for a fact that had I not practiced all the things that I would have, but I didn't. And here I am. And so we can still keep going and talking about it. So anyways, that's psychological, again, pretty common and easy to understand. Sociological would be things like marriage, if you move, caring for um, people that might have illnesses, birth, death. So 
Oh, work. I don't know if I mentioned work, but you had touched on that. That is a huge one in my uh, gut healing for beginners course. I actually have a whole module all about basically, are you, are you in a work that's fulfilling? Are you in a career that's fulfilling? If not, how to ask yourself questions to find a new career? Because just like you, I was once in a three-piece suit, absolutely hated it was bloated and miserable every single day. And it wasn't until I started doing things that truly brought me so much joy and delight that I didn't feel that kind of daily stress. And I do think that it is one of the buckets, the sociological with work and marriage and people don't really think about, but it is a huge form of stress, especially right now, given that we're just, you know, kind of on the cusp post pandemic and everything else. This is a huge, huge one for people to think about. Yeah. You also bucket financial worries in here, which I think the other thing that I like about these buckets is that it's inclusive of those who don't have access to holistic health. You know, this is another thing that I've been giving a lot of thought to since, especially being a foster mom, right. Is like seeing the effects that, you know, we can, if we have access to, um, functional medicine practitioners and, and all of these expensive supplements and doing this sort of stuff, not everyone has access to those. And so what I, what I loved about the buckets was that it was also inclusive of how much the social aspects are playing into someone's ability to truly find wellness. And if one has financial worries that that's not only a stressor, but it's also an, an, impacts one's ability to access some of these tools that are often talked about in the holistic wellness community. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole conversation in and of itself, because like you, I've obviously seen that other side as well. It's And it's one that I don't even know how do you really unpack that, because it takes it, I mean, it takes something that is so it's so much, you know, it's not just the financial aspect of, like you said, the supplements or the, the doctor's business, everything, but it's also then you go into the uh, psychological and you go into all of these other forms too, because you have to be able to have the desire and the willingness and the, and everything to, to start healing. And I'm not just talking healing your gut, but healing from anything, any kind of trauma or any kind of life circumstances. It, it, I've seen it, in my past too, with my children and their uh, biological families. And it takes something very, very unique and special to be able to turn around anything. It's not easy. So it's, yeah, like you said, it's going to be a whole conversation in and of itself. Okay. So another of the buckets, another one would be the biological one that it, that includes the, these hormone changes that you had mentioned, aging, malnutrition, pain, chronic disease, illness, allergies, anything that's really, you know, biological dominant. Now, one thing I wanted to say, you had talked about a little bit earlier, hormone kind of goes hand in hand with hormone changes too, is you had talked about cortisol and something that I wanted to bring up to your audience, because I had never heard this, but I had, I did a, an episode on my podcast with Dr. Marcus Sorelli and it was about stress. What happened when I got my cortisol uh, levels tested and went through all of my testing is that my cortisol had bottomed out. I didn't have high cortisol. It was chronically low all the time. And when I asked Dr. Marcus about this, he said that after a while, after you've been so stressed out for 
a, a long, long, long period of time, it then bottoms out. You go from high to low. He said it was a it was a matter of timing things. So I just wanted to bring that up under these, these hormonal changes because I think that also coincided with all of my hormonal changes. I, again, to this day, quote unquote, unexplained infertility, but I do think that that all, I think that was all, I know it was all kind of uh, wrapped in together. And so I just wanted to, in case any of your listeners have are like, wait, I'm so stressed out, but why, why is my cortisol bottomed out? That's what Dr. Marcus told me. And that's what happened to me as well. So yeah, makes a lot of sense because there's this healthy range in the mid, right? But then you can have high or low and it mm -hmm. drastically affects overall wellness either way. And I can see how if it's been super high, eventually it's got to bottom. And I'm assuming that then what he would say is, you know, after you're sitting at the bottom for a while, it's going to, it's going to spike again. Is that mm -hmm. what you mean by it depends on timing when you look at it? Yep, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. though I did it several times and it was always very, very low. He just said it was just because of the extended time of the stress and all the things that I had done. I would imagine that mine is because all five of my buckets were fully, fully, fully loaded. <laughs> you can think about these buckets too, as actual buckets You and you stuff all these things into them. And the more that they're stuffed, what happens like anything else there, it's going to leak, there's going to become holes. And so I think if you think about things like that, the more leaks that there are, the more water fills up. I mean, it's just a disaster, yeah. right? You so, can carry maybe yeah. one full bucket or yeah. three partially full buckets, but if you try to carry five full buckets, you're going to have problems. Yep. Okay. And uh, just two more buckets. The one is the environmental one, which includes pollution, noise, temperature extremes, electromagnetic fields, and toxins. This is one that can include also the things that you put on your skin, the things you clean in your house, just breathing air is toxic <laughs> at the end of the day. I mean, there's, there's no way to completely get rid of all of your stress. But the thing that I always tell people about this bucket is that you have to mitigate it as best as you can. And so if that means swapping in better things to put on your body, to put in your, you know, your dishwash, dishwashing soap in your laundry detergent, whatever it might be, you know, air filters in the house. Again, this is one of those things that's definitely a financial thing, but whatever you can do to eliminate or to, I mean, to reduce that environmental stress, the better. I don't know if you have ideas of things that you personally do, but those are some that we do. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with, with all of that. And I, we, we talk a lot about that, so we don't need to to go into that more, but definitely a stress on your body. And I think one of the messages that I try to remind people of is that your body is able to handle stress. It is able to detox to a certain point, right? And so it's like the more that you can make the burden of, for example, the laundry detergent you use or the things you put on your skin, removing fragrance from your home, it, the more you can remove those things, the easier it is to handle some of the other stressors in the bucket. So totally agree. Yep. And then the last one is physical. And this one is another one of those sort of obvious ones, overworking, excessive exercise, chemicals, junk food, accidents, surgery. This is, this is something that people ask a lot about, especially when it comes to autoimmune diseases, that there's always, it's, it's kind of, I think I once heard Dr. Mark Hyman talk about the three things, the first, it's 
acronym GET. So G is genetics, E is environmental, and T is the trigger. So a lot of times one of these buckets would be your trigger. For like, let's say for many women, they give birth and after they give birth, something will trigger. And that's because of the stress of the surgery, if they had a C-section or just the, you know, the, the stress with giving birth period. But, you know, in the physical thing, it's just anything that's physical. It's, it's not really rocket science. Yeah. I wonder, based on all of these factors, if you've seen certain activities or certain, what what helps the most, if that makes sense. Like, admittedly, I am the absolute worst at meditative and journaling type practices, but I know that doing breathing exercises is incredibly helpful for me. Like I can do a heart rate monitor and I can see that I am reducing my heart rate and doing some simple breathing exercises, but it is like pulling my own teeth in order to get me to want to do that. And I know that you're big on journaling. I'm wondering how these things come into play for you. What, what do you see be most helpful for people as you work with them in this process or in that third pillar, like you originally were, were saying, right? And I want to emphasize that we're not saying that the diagnosis and diet aren't important. It's just it's you can't have the building would topple over with just those two pillars, right? And it's it's not until you work on some of these other things, the lifestyles, things that I have seen, most people say that they actually get some healing, right? Like the diet alone is not going to do it. So what are some of those other things that you've seen kind of be that that light bulb, that puzzle piece for people to, to figure out? Yes, because I'm telling you, if it was about the first two pillars, I would have healed after. Well, if it was about diet, I would have healed in the first month <laughs> because I'm so I'm, I'm very good at following rules like that. OK, so I think a really great exercise that everyone can do is if you sh if you're able to share this graphic of these different forms of stress, just you look at them. This is where I have people start. You look at them and there are going to probably be a handful that scream at you immediately. Like you will know, oh my gosh, I have been training for a marathon. Is that, is that what's real? You know, is that what's hanging me up right now? Okay. So you would write excess exercise. And then, you know, my marriage is not doing well right now. You know that you look at these and you know what they are. You write a handful of them down and then you really have to start unpacking from there. That's truly what I did. And that's what a lot of people do. I can give you all of the stress management tactics like you though. Meditation does not work for me. I have tried over and over and over and over. And what I will say about that is you just have to figure out what your form of meditation is. So what I found for myself personally was in the beginning, I told myself, well, my meditation is running a half marathon on trails in a hundred degrees. And that's me meditating. Well, turns out that when I went back to those buckets and I was like, no, this is excessive exercise, making me feel miserable, sending me to the ER. That is not it. But how could I take that idea? What what were the pieces of that that I thought were meditative? And what it was for me was that it always made 
me feel very connected to my dad who loved the outdoors. And I just, there's so much goodness when we're outside in nature, away from phones and away from everything. So my form then, I just kept unpacking it, kept unpacking it, kept unpacking it until I figured out it's just gentle walks outside. And that is, that can be a form of meditation. And that is a very low stress, stress reducing actually activity. So I just wanted to kind of hit on that for the meditative part, but other things that I, that I do, again, you have to really kind of dig into what your own things are. So let's say it's, it's work, then what can you do? You know, you, you can't quit your job today, but how can you start understanding what might be a better scenario, a better situation, a better environment for you? How can you take wherever you're at today and get to where you want to be in the next three months? There's always something you can do and excuses are definitely not part of it. And I use them for a very long time, but if you want something different in your life, something to change, then you have to actually make the changes because like I say in day one of the book, nothing changes if nothing changes. I do things like I will, I use a lot of diffusers. This sounds really strange, but it is so calming for me. I diffuse a lot of lavender oils. I, a therapy, I do a lot of verbal therapy still to this day. I like, let's say you're really stuck in on something from the past and that's getting you down. One thing I tell people is try to turn to something new. You, you can't just forget about things. You can't completely shut them off because at some point it's going to come back. It's going to reemerge in your life. So you do have to address it, but you can always turn to something new, something that gives you inspiration and motivation and hope for something else that you are looking for or you want in your life. If you are an apps person, there are plenty of apps out there. I I mean, I've tried Headspace. I've tried Calm. My kids and I, we love the Mashi app. I don't know if you've ever listened to that with your kids or by yourself, because I, I love it. It's very, very calming. It helps to sleep at night. I mean, I, there's so many different things that ways to deal with stress. I think the first thing though, really is just understanding where is your stress coming from in order to be able to get to the next step of addressing it. I love that. And I love that you um, also have a hard time with meditation because I always feel such guilt. But I found that my meditation is in the shower. I have a hard time with all the kids that I have and the things that I do really finding time to like take a long, quiet shower with no phone and that sort of thing. And I've learned like, that's my meditative state. I always come out of it feeling better. And with all these kinds of great thoughts and whatever. And like, this is what it's like for people who can just like sit and meditate, but I can't do that. Yeah. So I I like the idea of coming up with some of your, your own things that work for you, but really learning to listen to your body. Because if you would have asked me if I could quit my job, I would have said, no way. And now I say to my husband, I'm like, if something ever happens, like we're going to sell the house and we're going to move to an area that has a lower cost of living because I, I can't go back. You know, like it's, it's a matter of prioritizing and realizing like how important it is for different areas of your life. And I think no one can make that decision for you. No one knows what's happening in your brain and your body, but you have to be honest with yourself about what's happening. And if you really do want to heal and get healthy, 
sometimes it takes sacrifices that are ultimately, I would say, worth it. But I would love, Sarah, if you could share where people can continue to find you and your resources because our conversation is obviously like we've just opened so many cans of worms and I'm sure people are going to want to follow up and learn and listen to more of what you have to say. So can you remind us where um, they can find you and the resources that you have available? Yeah. So my babies online would definitely be a gutsygirl.com and my YouTube channel, A Gutsy Girl, and then my podcast, A Gutsy Girl. <laughs> if you aren't catching along yet, everything is pretty much A Gutsy Girl. I bought the URL in 2012, fun little fact, I bought it in 2012 because I wanted to talk about things that women weren't otherwise talking about, which were stinky topics that had to do with the gut and then also infertility. And I, to this day, I'm so grateful that I bought it because it has fit every last piece of my life. So those are the main places. And then Instagram, I'm really active on Instagram because I just love connecting with people and I love being able to share what I call our very digestible graphics and that you could get really quick wins from and run away and just really start your healing journey. Other than that, I do have my gut healing for beginners course, and that's just truly for people that are just starting to dive in and really want to get started on the right path. We just published a Gutsy Girls Bible, which is a 21-day approach to healing the gut, and it's on Amazon, on my website. And then the last thing that we didn't really talk about too much on this on this show, but there is definitely a stress-reducing component to it. There's a lot of components to it, but it is my 90-day gut healing journal, and it's called Healing Blooms from Within because I really took it from the lifestyle standpoint, but it's basically bullet journal meets regular journal. And it is, I would say mostly a food journal, but every single page has you tracking everything from your bowel movements. We work off the Bristol stool chart. It's, it's a hundred percent conducive for people on a gut healing journey because there's a Bristol stool chart, there's sleeping, there's what cycle day you're on. I teach you in the journal all about my concept of ingredients versus ingredients and how to food journal appropriately so that you can understand what you might be reacting to and what you're not. There's a mantra on every single day. There's, it's, it's definitely been one of my best selling products because it's, it's super helpful. I'm, I'm very passionate about it. It's a system that I devised you know, over the decade long journey. And yeah, so those are my main things. And I, I just, I do, I love connecting with people and I really, really, really love helping women heal in order to, you know, find themselves on the other side of a life that's well worth it. I can't thank you enough for joining today and talking all about that. And I know that the help that you aim to give was definitely felt today. So thank you for joining and for sharing. And for listeners, if you'd like to hear more, you can pop over to patreon.com slash the whole view. We'll be sharing what we really thought. And I'm, I'm excited to dive into some things we didn't have a chance to talk about because we had so much to talk about today on the main show. And if you loved the show that we create and produce ourselves, the Patreon is a great way to support it. But you can also do so by leaving a review or hitting that follow or subscribe button in the podcast app that you're using so that others can find us too. Sarah, thank you so much for 
joining us. Again, that's agutsygirl.com, and we'll put all the links in the show notes. Thank you. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.